So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. This is the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Located at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie and in the Frontier Mall on Del Range in Cheyenne. The 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored by Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. I am Cody Tucker, joined as always by Jared Newland. Uh, not a lot to talk about this week, obviously. Um, None at all. Pretty quiet on the home front. Yeah, nothing, nothing was said or rehashed over the weekend. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Wyoming will take on Fresno State tonight, uh, the season finale, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. That game will be show, will be seen on FS1, I believe, tonight. And um, on the Cowboy Sports Network. Always on the <laughs> Cowboy Sports Network with Keith Kelly and uh, Kevin McKinney on the call. Um no, a lot happened. <laughs> I think you know that if you're listening to this show, a lot happened. Wyoming, of course, falls to the Boise State Broncos 20-17 to last Saturday in the most gut-wrenching of fashions, Jared. Have you ever seen a turn of events like that in your life? And also, I, I'm going to make a comparison already to what comes close, maybe, is what we saw in Buffalo against the Minnesota Vikings last week, where... Josh Allen needs one snap to put his knee down and the game's over. Next thing you know, the Vikings are in the end zone. Bills have to come back with 29 seconds left to kick a field goal. Vikings score in overtime and win. Uh, other than that, I don't really recall a an insane back-and-forth finish like we saw in Laramie on Saturday night. And especially with Wyoming driving, somewhat driving, throw the pick. Next series... Fresno runs a ball, runs a ball. Boise, then, yeah. Or Boise, excuse yeah. me, then fumbles. Yeah. George Halani, who never fumbles. <laughs> Hadn't had a fumble all year. Yeah, 185 attempts, no fumbles. Fumbles. Pick it up, running. I really do wish if he would have cut left yeah. on that play, he had four or five guys behind him. He could have pitched it. Well, and if Devon would have just kind of maybe even eased back a little and let his blockers get in front of him, but I yeah. mean, you can only imagine yeah. what a defensive end's going through at that time. You're just trying to run go, as go, fast go. as you can because you don't want to get caught from behind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then first play, INT. It is. It was mm. crazy how quickly all that stuff happened. You went. You really went from Mount Everest to to Death Valley in a matter of one snap. It was so. You know, I even tweeted out after he threw that first pick to J.L. Skinner uh, when Clemens did. I said, "Well, that'll that'll do it." The Cowboys did have a couple of timeouts left, but they were they'd be lucky to get the ball back with 20 seconds left on the clock, if that. And uh, so it was all but over. And then all of a sudden, it looked like Kalani almost pitched the ball forward himself right into the between the nine and the three of Devon Harris, and boy, he just shot out of there like a bat out of hell. But he uh, <laughs> he just unfortunately. Um, Taylor Green is the most athletic quarterback in the Mountain West, and uh, what a play he made. I mean, he really did. He, he saved a touchdown, and 
Oh, if you could have that back, if you could have those few seconds back, let some blockers get in front of you, it would have been risky. But like you said, maybe you maybe you have a cornerback on your tail where you can hand him the ball and you become the lead blocker. Uh, but does it get more risky than the play we saw that ended this whole thing? No, because <laughs> it didn't have to happen on first down. Now, if it Ugh. happened on third down and they were down to no timeouts and still at the 20-yard line and 20 seconds to go, got to go for it yeah. there. But in my opinion, I don't, I don't fault anyone for saying let's go for the win. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, even though 45 seconds, one timeout remaining, and a first down would stop the clock anyway so you could run up and spike it, all those kind of things, I don't fault them for going for the win. But you've got to tell the quarterback 20 times before he goes out there, if it's not open, throw it over the fence. Yeah. I mean, throw it through a window. Exactly. (laughs) Do whatever you got to do. Get that Um, thing out of play. If it's not there, do not force it. We have time left. And at the the worst, you have an All-American kicker that's 99% sure you're going to go into overtime probably. Who kicked a 53-yarder. Kicked a rock 53 yards through the uprights earlier in the game. kicking an ice chunk? No. (laughs) 53 yards? I I kicked with Cooper Roth one day, and I couldn't even make him from what used to be the PAT range in the snow. (laughs) So, no. No. Uh, But... (laughs) I'll be honest with you. It it still upsets me. Feels like a hangover, doesn't it? Feels like a week-long hangover at this point. Because you look at, what, four of the last five years now. Wyoming has competed with Boise nose to nose. Yep. And they've come up short yep. every time. Uh, well, after the game, you know, I don't think my jaw ever actually sucked back up. Um, was totally stunned in the press box when that transpired. I had the most perfect view of that play in, in my brain. I'm thinking, do not throw this ball. Do not throw it. JL Skinner and another guy are right there in Cobb's hip pocket. There's no way that was going to be completed like we talked about. The best case scenario, that thing goes out of bounds or JL Skinner catches it out of bounds, one or the other, but it was just inside. Definitely got a foot down. Uh, Cobbs had a front row seat and was the first one to throw his hands on his head like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And then, uh, you know, as a reporter, you get on the elevator, which was extremely quiet. Everybody was shocked. Boise media, Wyoming media, everybody was stunned what just transpired. And, you know, what I always do, Jared, when I'm on my way down there, of course, you're going through your mind of what are you going to say? What what questions? What is the most pertinent question? And um, I think we knew what the most pertinent question was. I felt it was anyway. And um, right when Craig stepped behind the podium, I said, Craig, where did you or Tim Polisek or both of you, where did that confidence come from to let a guy put the game in the hands of a quarterback who's making his first start, who's completed three balls all night long um, to make that throw? That was my whole stunning aspect of the whole thing. I mean, I'm all for winning the game. You know, I'm all for going for the throat, but not at that time with that guy. And, you know, Jaden just had a rough night. I'm not dumping on the kid. He just had a rough night. He completed three balls to his own teammates and completed three balls to Boise State. That's it. All night. And the Clemens defense, he had three or four balls dropped that were right in the breadbasket. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And on, correct me if I'm wrong, I think three of them were on third downs that would have been huge gains for first downs. But, I mean, I guess... I think you're with me on my question of what I asked, but um, the decision-making, more so than anything in the second half. You know, that first drive ends with him throwing into double coverage, getting picked off in the end zone. Cowboys had a great drive going. Imagine they score there. 
That would have been a huge statement. Instead, they don't. Boise State goes the other way and scores. Then on when they get the ball back, I, I really didn't like the way that drive played out. Their last, what we thought was their last offensive drive, to throw the ball three straight times when he struggled that badly. Titus Swin, oh, by the way, ran for 212 yards in this game, an 83-yard, busted an 83-yarder. Um, that was a career night for him. He went over 1,000 yards. And of all staffs, Wyoming's going to abandon the run? And I understand what they're thinking because let's surprise them. Yeah. They don't think we're going to pass here. I, I get that, but at the same time, you're I mean, they are gashing that defense. Yes. Those zone plays in the middle were I mean, you could drive a car through a couple of those. And that's yep. supposed to be the taunt the the vaunt, you know, the best defense. Yeah, the best team, rush, the defense. rush defense yeah. in the Mountain West. They were just giving up just over a hundred. Wyoming had 100 at the end of the first quarter. They did. Yeah, and I was watching that offensive line, man. They were firing off. They had a hat on a hat immediately when that ball was snapped. And they really controlled the line of scrimmage. So I was shocked to see that, you know, it was incomplete. Incomplete. Then I can't remember. Did he get picked off on fourth down? I, I want to say it was three incompletions and then picked off on fourth. And you could watch J.L. Skinner was just sitting there waiting on it. He was underneath just staring at Jaden Clemens. And, you know, I'd like to – Jaden Clemens is a great kid. Wyoming's – by the way, folks, Wyoming's not even in this position without Jaden Clemens and what he did in Fort Collins. So I, I'm not dumping on the kid. But just really bad decision-making there at the end. Also, Wyoming's offensive line was not only great in the run game, they didn't let Boise State touch Jaden Clemens all night long. So he had plenty of time to throw the ball. He was not sacked one time. Um, he just he made some poor decisions. It was his first ever start, and what a what a spot to get thrown into you too for your first ever start. But still, it remains, Jared. I don't understand why you put the game in that kid's hands at that time. I totally agree with you. And sometimes you see offensive coordinators get quarterbacks with you know lack of experience is you know a term I guess you could use with Jaden into rhythm by rolling them out to their their favorite side of course yeah drags to the tight ends or maybe a screen pass here and there just to get that rhythm going and to make sure that they hey i completed that ball yeah never saw that once in that game no not only that he would drop back to throw and he would like look like a statue he wasn't even like bouncing on his feet or anything Mm -hmm. would just be still and another thing that shocked me is some of the planned runs for Jaden. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing, if you're scrambling and you have to go and slide and slide, which he did a great job of sliding, by the yes, way. Yes, he did. Uh, to, get, to get down. But some of those planned runs was like, uh, do you realize that if he goes out, you have a guy who's never played a down in Hank Gibbs? <laughs> <laughs> They're always afraid to run Andrew Peasley, but not Jaden Clemens. Go for it. You're in, kid. So... I just, you know, and and I I know a lot of you probably didn't hear the post-game press conference because the school may or may not have uh, told somebody to post that online. The video is still not available. Um, Craig Bull lost his mind on me, Jared. I mean, he really did, and it's an emotional game. Oh, you want to go back to that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I get it, man. I get it. He was not happy with that question at all. And I have a question for you. So... It's been a long time since I've been to one of these post-game press conferences, and they probably change rules with every coach and every year. Do you raise your hand to be the first person, or or do you get put on a list, or do they rotate who gets the first question at home games? Um, I raise the hand. Okay. I, I typically go for the first question every time. Um, Monday, he passed me up and went right to uh, Ryan Thorburn from the Casper Star Tribune, which is fine, which is fine. But what's funny is I, I want I want to give Craig Bull a lot of credit, though. He went he went nuts. He was not happy at all. He went nuts on me. <laughs> I mean, he just did, and I, I get it. Uh, but to his credit, 
he stepped behind the podium on Monday and he, you know, he didn't say I'm sorry and I don't want him to say I'm sorry. He doesn't need to do that. He's an emotional football coach who just lost the biggest game of his of his season. But Monday he said, hey, I'm in a much different place. And he smiled and laughed about it and said, uh, I want to take you step by step what my thought process was. And, uh, and he did. And it was fantastic. He looked down his sideline and saw Trayton Welch was banged up. Alex Brown's gone. McNeely's gone. DQ James is gone. Um, a lot of offensive weapons are not on the field at the time. So he said, you know, let's, let's try and win it right now. Because I don't necessarily love our chances in overtime. And Boise State had moved the ball a ton in the second half. Wyoming didn't. Aside from that 83-yard run from Titus Wynn, I want to say the Cowboys only had 80 yards of total offense. I think they picked up three first downs, one third down conversion. It was not pretty. Uh, so I think Boise had the hot hand. Then on the other side, you can argue that maybe they were a little shell-shocked about that turnover from George Helani when they were all celebrating on the sideline thinking this game's over. Uh, so he said we wanted to take a chance. And... I get it. I, I understand where he's coming from. I just kind of wish, emotions aside, Saturday night he would have said, you know what, Cody? I believe in that kid. I know he only completed three balls tonight, but you know what? I believe in him, and I thought, this is where he's going to turn it around, and this is where he's going to save the day, and this is where he's going to throw the biggest pass of his life, and we're going to win this ball game. Instead, he fought it the whole way and was not happy with the question, and I get it, but... Um, Speaking of the press conference, uh, etiquette and all that good stuff, Craig, these guys are supposed to take a 10-minute cooling-off period, players and coaches, because of stuff like this. Apparently, Craig Bull said no to Tim Harkins for his 10-minute uh, cooling-off period and said, I'm going to be fine. And Tim said, mm, Coach, why don't you drink some water, You know, take a few puffs, <laughs> take a blow here. And uh, he's like, no, I'm good. Uh, when we came into that press conference, Craig was waiting on us, which never happens. And... Uh, yeah, first question set him off like a Roman candle, to say the least. But, you know, I felt like it was important to, important to ask, and it was the only thing to ask. In my, and I would ask the same thing if Jaden Clemens would have completed that ball. Yeah. Where did the confidence come from to put it in his hands? When you look at it in that perspective that he was waiting on you, <laughs> he had to have known, regardless if he was waiting on you or not, he had to, he had to know that that question was going to be asked let alone if it was the first or the second or the third. Yeah. It was coming at some point. Oh, yeah. Or you guys aren't doing your job as media members. Right, right. And you just happened to be the one that asked the question because I I would have guessed Ryan would have asked the question if you didn't. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Um, It was the only question I could think of on my walk to the – what other question was there? Were you really proud of Titus Swin tonight for running for 212 years? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but no, that isn't the question. So you have to ask that question, and uh, and I get him. I get where he's coming from. This isn't the first time I've been on the receiving end of Mr. Craig Bull, and and he's a seasoned coach, and he that's why he makes the big bucks, guys. That's that's another thing. He needs to answer that question better, though, mad or not. Yeah. Um, because he is the highest paid coach in Wyoming history, and he's the highest paid employee of the state of Wyoming, and the highest paid in the Mountain West. Yes, he needs to answer that question better and treat everyone better not just you treat everyone better yeah um and and i even told you i think in a text i said hey rough he will so-call apologize indirectly on right. monday and he yeah. did in he an did. indirect way yeah and, and like i said i don't need him to i really don't I, I get it man but take your cooling off period the only other time i've seen him not take his cooling off period was in 2019 when tyler vanderwall threw three picks at utah state 
and Craig Bull just got done ripping Tyler Vanderwall on his last throw because he, if you remember, Tyler fell down in front of Wyoming's bench after throwing across his body, and he fell right in front of Craig Bull, and that was not the place to fall down, and, and uh, Craig went nuts on him, and then he came in the end zone and was waiting on us, and then I believe that press conference lasted all of 48 seconds. <laughs> so I get it, man. I get it. It was a tough loss, Jared. That you know, we've been to a lot of Wyoming games in our lives. My first thought was, what comes close to this for me in my era in my timeline? Um, I haven't thought a lot about it, I guess, because it's kind of painful to think about. But I think about Jay Stoner tripping over his own feet on fourth down against Air Force inside War Memorial Stadium in what ninety seven, ninety eight. They have a chance. Ninety-eight. They had a chance to uh, win the mount or win the WAC championship that year. Go to the WAC championship, and on fourth down, Jay just is under center, takes a step back, trips over his own feet. It was just no throw, no chance, no nothing. He just tripped and fell and was down, and game over. And it was just the most miserable feeling of just going. Oh, and I remember talking to Dana Demmel about that play years down the line, and he just went, "Oh, Jay." That was rough, man. To not even give yourself a shot. Yep. I mean, that hurt. That hurt a lot. But this one's up there. I suppose for me it would be 90 down at CSU when Jay Daffer fumbled going across the end zone um, because that would that would have been for the outright. I mean, they would have won three in four years Yeah, and extended the nation's longest win streak as well because they had gone into that game undefeated. And that's under a first-year head coach, correct? Yeah. Uh, no. Was that still Roach? That was Roach's last year. Oh, Roach's last. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but that, that, I go back to that one a lot just because it, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I am a little bit older than you. In, in recent memory, I suppose maybe the Howdy Doody game because that one, mm-hmm. that one hurt. Maybe the point settable. Yeah. And once again, there's a young, I mean, yeah, Josh was young then. Mm-hmm. He should have never thrown that ball. He had Brian Hill in the flat right in front of him, or he could have just thrown it out of bounds and yeah. lived to play another down. He threw it. There was there was probably three or four BYU guys that could have got to that ball at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was the bowl game does stand out because it was against BYU. Yeah. If it was against somebody else, it probably wouldn't have hurt as bad. Right. And I think this one stands out so much because we've talked about it at nauseum. This team was not supposed to be here. This was not supposed to happen. And when you go this far, it's like, why not win the whole damn thing? And, and it was against the king of the conference. It was, yeah. Absolutely. And you want to hear something else that's absolutely disgusting and gut-wrenching, Wyoming fans. Next year, the Mountain West is getting rid of divisions. Uh, there will be no more Mountain. There will be no more West. It's just a free-for-all. And if it was that way right now, the way the Pac-12 did it, where they got rid of them, or the Big 12, they got rid of them immediately. There's no, hey, let's wait a year. Why Why do you wait a year? I, I'll never understand that. But they waited a year. And if they didn't, uh, this Fresno State-Wyoming game tonight would be gigantic. This would be for all the marbles to see who goes to play Boise State at Albertson Stadium because the Cowboys are tied with, with, with uh, the Bulldogs in the win-loss column. Uh, Fresno has one less loss in Mountain West play. They're on a six-game winning streak. But if Wyoming wins that game tonight, it's the Cowboys that are going to Albertson Stadium next week to take on the Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. I hate even thinking about it. But, I mean, why not? And, and hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. Well, why didn't you just get rid of the divisions this year? 
It, it would pit your best two teams against each other, and maybe that is Fresno. Maybe Fresno beats the Cowboys and rolls right into Albertson Stadium, but earn it. Yeah, I suppose some of it is because the schedule is already laid out on who you know the cross cross division right. opponents would be. Yeah, and I suppose there was a little strategery behind that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th- that's probably why they didn't do it right away. Um, but yeah, next year it's uh, it's open. Yeah. And uh, speaking of next year, uh, I'm sure you noticed this, Jared. I, I know we certainly did in the press box. Four Wyoming Cowboys honored very short senior day festivities, which is a nice problem to have. Two of those guys, Eric Aboje and Miles Williams, are the only two players who are truly out of eligibility on this team. The other two, Marco Machado and Zach Watts, they're obviously deciding two offensive linemen. They're deciding to go on with their lives and uh, whatever their next step is going to be. Craig Bull mentioned that he's used to seeing 12 to 15 guys come running out, and it's sad and it's emotional. And, and not saying it wasn't sad and emotional to see these four guys, but he, that's when he said, holy cow, we've really done something special this year. And I had a really at-length talk with a leader on this football team on Monday Um I've talked about it on this show before. I don't feel the transfer portal is going to be a thing this year at all. That's going to really hamper the Cowboys. I really don't feel it, and neither does he. He really – in fact, this guy's coming back. He had the chance to not come back, but he said, I don't feel it, man. He goes, you know, we've talked in the past how tight and close these teams are, and he goes, I think you can feel it this year. That It's no joke. We're tight, 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 and we're winning, and a ton of people are getting playing time. Yeah, I, I, we've talked about this behind the scenes too amongst ourselves – saying that the people, if there are some transfers, which you're going to have people defect no matter what. And he said that, one, two, three, something like that, nothing crazy, no mass exodus. I think the ones that are going to choose to leave are going to be the players who aren't on the two deep and who haven't been on the two deep all year long. Well, and I think a lot of fans saw, and you might have saw this too, Jared, uh, Titus Wynn was not happy after this game. He stopped at the goal line, slammed his helmet down, the pads inside his helmet went flying. Uh, it was an emotional loss. I mean, it was a big loss. The, nobody on this team currently has come this close to even competing for a championship. Not even close. Um, so that was rough. A lot of people said, well, Titus is gone. I got news for you guys. Titus might be gone. I don't know. But I got news for you. Coach Bowl hated COVID-19 more than any other coach I've ever seen in my life. Titus Wynn opted out, and Coach made no bones about it that he did not love the opt-outs, period. Titus Wynn's father almost died during this pandemic. Um, Titus came back. He was second string. He had to earn his way back into good graces. He sat behind Xavion Valade for a long time. Maybe he doesn't come back, but, you know, that kid's obviously pretty damn dedicated. Yeah, and he is an emotional player, and you can tell, usually in the first series, what kind of a game Titus is going to have because he he's still moving those feet, yeah, oh his yeah. legs, and he's punishing guys when he's taking the ball. There, I don't want to say say he ever has taken a game off. There's probably some games he hasn't been fully equipped, ready to go, and some of it might be injury so that mm-hmm. he's not going to like give that extra. Yeah, um, but you could tell that first series. This game was like, oh boy, Titus he, is ready to go. <laughs> he was running violent. He was. He was not going down. And you know, he hadn't hip. Uh, he had the the rib injury early on, and and we've talked about. I mean, you can't even fart if your ribs are hurting. You can't burp. You can't breathe. You can't do anything. This guy's playing college football and getting hit on every single play. Yep. Imagine getting hit last night or on Saturday night when we'll get into this, but that was allegedly the tenth coldest game in Wyoming football history since 1970. I'm sure that didn't feel too good. I went through your list. It's 
<laughs> some I'll cold tell you ones. About what I think. About <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was at a lot of those games. But on the other side here, we'll talk a little bit more about Fresno State. Uh, a little bit more about some news going on around uh, Wyoming football and. Still a big one. Uh, Talked to Frank Crum this week. He said that this is the most important game of the season. There's nothing on the line. That dangling carrot is no longer. But this is a chance for the Cowboys to show that they're the real deal. They're in it for the long haul. And that just because that carrot's gone doesn't mean anything. So we'll talk to you about a little bit more about Fresno State on the other side of the break. See you then. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Stop in or order online at dickies.com for your tailgating food today. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, also, wanna, I want to give a special shout-out to Matt Ozzy, our co-worker here. He uh, produces this show. He's a guy who does a lot of stuff behind the scenes, a lot of the techie stuff that we certainly don't know how to do, Jared. Um, Matt is going to be moving with his wife, Amanda, to Nashville. Uh, he got a new opportunity there. So want to thank Matt for all he's done, especially on this side of things. Man, I just uh, I wouldn't know what to do without him on these side of things, but I guess I better figure it out because <laughs> it's coming quick. So Yeah, it's been a good two years, Matt, and uh, best wishes to you and the family moving back to the, to the South, I guess you can say, yep. even though it's not truly the South. Never understood that, why they called him. But anyway. <laughs> well, and he's a Kentucky guy, so he was a little upset that on our weekly picks this week we didn't have the Kentucky-Louisville game. He's a big Louisville fan, and we did not have that, and I told him that is not in my hands anymore. I do not pick games anymore. Yeah, and uh, he's a, I think he's a bigger Hoops fan than the Cardinals 0-5. So he's more sad than these Wyoming basketball fans out here, uh, but that's for another day. I don't even want to get into that today. Celebrating the football team today. There you go. <laughs> uh, this one, Jared, um, you know, like I said earlier, we've been to a lot of Wyoming football games. I didn't miss a game inside that stadium for, I want to say, 28 years as a fan growing up. Um, <laughs> they said that was tied for the 10th coldest game in Wyoming football history since 1970. So I'm sure there's a lot of Wyoming players and fans that were like, oh, bull, yeah, we saw real cold, but haven't heard that yet. But uh, it was cold, um, and I must say I was in the press box, and most people are going to say I don't feel bad for you whatsoever, but it is cold up there, and you can vouch for that. It was definitely cold up there. Uh, but walking to the press conference, not only am I thinking – I'm about to set Craig Bull um, on fire here. Maybe that'll warm us all up because it was definitely cold. But I recall a hell of a lot colder than that. But it was cold. Yeah. So they they record that at kickoff. It's the temperature game temperature at kickoff. And I, I looked at your list, and I can remember very very many of those fondly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was at eight of those ten games. And but I have to admit, some of those games when I was working for Learfield, I was up in the 
up in our suite, so I didn't have to. Do they have uh, heat in the suites? Uh, I they hope. do. <laughs> That's nice. You can control the temperature in your suite wow. because you can open and close your windows. Wow. That's nice. Yeah, we had a space heater under the bench in the press area, and it was either light your pants on fire or just freeze to death. And we all had our hoods on, and it was miserably cold. Uh, Ryan Thorburn had a scarf on in the old nine. He looked like a snowman. Uh, but the first coldest game on this list, I'll never forget that day, Wyoming got absolutely hammered by New Mexico. Uh, November 22nd, 2003, nine degrees at kickoff. That was a 26-3 win by the Lobos. And I'll never forget Joe Glenn on the sideline. He looked like Kenny from South Park. You could only see his eyes because his hood was absolutely yanked tight over his face. It was so miserably cold, and the winds were not coming in those days, so it made it extra cold. Kind of like the second coldest game, November 11, 2000. That was a 34 nothing loss to Utah, 11 degrees at kick. And then I believe the next week it was San Diego State, and it was freezing cold again and i believe it was also 34 or 35 to nothing and that was a night game and that was that and i ended up helping dave and kevin up in the radio booth for some reason somebody couldn't make it i recall taking my wallet out using a credit card (laughs) to scrape the inside of the press box windows off because they had frosted up (laughs) it wasn't that cold on saturday but man <laughs> it was cold and i was joking uh probably a lot of hot air being said in a 34 nothing loss you know you're not you're just trying to find things to talk about and and kevin and dave are were great at that when they were together yeah. as a broadcast team because they went through a lot of years where i mean what do you do after it's 34 nothing I sat in the booth and shadowed them when I was in college, and it was BYU's last trip to War Memorial Stadium, and I believe it was 55 to nothing or 55 to 7, and I got a real education on what you do during dead time when there's just literally nothing to talk about, and I'll never forget Kevin ripping his cans off right off the bat. BYU scored two touchdowns, and he ripped his cans off during a commercial, threw them down, and said, I thought we closed the gap on these bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've heard a lot of other things behind the scenes that I won't repeat. (laughs) No, so some of these cold games, though, the CSU win in 2019, that was cold. I was on the sideline. I made the bonehead decision to go down and get video of the team getting the bronze boot and uh, did not wear a jacket it was uh, absolutely miserable well, what made that one cold too is the uh the moisture that was in the yeah too. Yep. even this saturday felt like a little humid cold it was not fun uh then this is the one that really stands out to me jared october 10th 2009 15 degrees at kickoff against new mexico uh the roads were closed from Cheyenne, and that was the game Alexander, Alvester Alexander ran all over New Mexico, and the steam was coming up from the field. And I remember talking to a Wyoming Highway Patrolman, and I said, hey, that's New Mexico's bus right in front of us. I haven't missed a game in 20-some years. Like, I need to get to Laramie. And he let me follow the New Mexico bus all the way into town. So well, that was cool. That game, a bunch of the people who usually work help TV um, crews out Come, coming from Cheyenne couldn't make it because of the roads. They asked me if I wanted to help out, and I was like, yeah, what the hell, you know? And so I was the parabolic mic holder that day. Does that mean the guy on the field with that? With that huge, it looks like a satellite dish. Yeah, the dish. Yeah, so I'm I'm holding that, and yes, it was cold, but I I dressed properly for it, (laughs) Um, you know, and stuff like that. I had Carhartts on and borrowed stuff, and, you know, it it was fun, though. I mean, say that you were down there for it. Yeah, so I I remember the 2009 game mostly for that, getting out, but then also the next day the Phillies were playing the Rockies in Denver in in the playoffs, and then the Broncos were playing the Patriots that day wearing their brown and gold uniforms when Josh McDaniel's first game against Bill Belichick. So the Broncos win, awesome, go across town, change my clothes into my Phillies gear, 
go to the Phillies game. I can't believe I didn't die of pneumonia that trip. Uh, every venue I was in, my beer froze solid. <laughs> it was a cold weekend. And you think playing football is hard in that. What about throwing a baseball? Baseball. Catching a baseball or, or hitting. hitting a baseball. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and then, of course, I missed the Mountain West title game against San Diego State. My parents went. They sent me pictures, and they said, we're here in your honor, and they were standing around flaming garbage cans in the parking lot like a couple of hobos. It looked cold. And <laughs> I was at that game tailgating, and we had a we had a great setup where there was tents. We had heaters. Even the fire marshals came in and said, make sure we were complying with all that. And they, yep, you guys are good. A yeah. lot of um, so-called um, – schnapps-ish type <laughs> or stuff going Craig on. Craig Bull would call antifreeze. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I'll be honest with you, the adrenaline takes over in games like that. Yeah. And plus, when you're standing in the stands with a bunch of people kind of huddled around you, it's not as cold as standing out in the parking lot where there might be you and two other people. Right. I mean, when you're standing in the stands and plus the lights are on and yep. the adrenaline takes over and I never got cold in that game till the fourth quarter. Well, and the wind was not happening this Saturday, which made a hell of a difference. That flag in the south end zone didn't move a muscle the entire game, so that was a big, big deal. Um, that probably really helped things. Which is usually the case when it's that cold and at night. The yeah. wind doesn't blow as much. Right. Or yeah. at all. So. <laughs> um, the other one that I missed that I watched when I lived in Michigan was uh, Tyler Vanderwall's comeback against Air Force in 2018. Uh, 19 degrees at the start of that one. Uh, what a game that was. That was another one that maybe rivaled all the turn of events at the end that maybe this one kind of did, except for Wyoming came out on the winning end. I remember I went over on Friday night for that game because I was worried that the roads may not be open on Saturday. I said, I'm not going to miss this game. So I stayed at a friend's house. And um, and I seriously showed up that next day pretty much tailgating by myself because <laughs> yeah. my normal crew wasn't there that I tailgate with. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. I stood in the student section and probably was one of, I don't know, 500 people right. at the end of the game that were in the student section. And with yeah. some former Laramie High grads, that we and we were just hanging out, having a ball. And that was a fun game. Yeah, it was. That, man, you guys saw a good one. That was an improbable win. That was one of those where ESPN says 99.9% chance of a loss here. It made bad beats. Yeah, I'm sure Scott it did. Pelt show. Well, not only the Cowboys pull it off, they won 35-27. Yep. <laughs> they, they won by eight. Can you imagine that? Um, two games that come to mind that aren't on this list – during the COVID year, 2020, that game against Boise State to end the year was in December, and it was snowing and blowing, and it was so cold. I remember after the game, I leave the press box like five hours after the game. I'm walking out. I totally eat it in the parking lot. My keys fall out of my pockets. Of course, I don't find that out till I get all the way to my car, and my keys are gone. So my snow angel was still you know, half a mile up the, toward the stadium, so I was able to find my keys and then make it all the way back. So that one did not, uh, did not make this list. And then 2004, a lot a lot of fans I see online are bringing that game up against Utah, and I swear to God, I will go to my grave, Jared, saying that if that game starts on time, the Wyoming Cowboys are going to give the Utah Utes and Alex Smith and Urban Meyer all they can freaking handle that night. And I'm I may be wrong. Utah ended up rolling in that one, <laughs> but I it was electric in the stadium. Aside from the electric part, which is the lights that did not come back on, and you know why the lights went out in the first place because you were working. Yeah, so pretty sure I have this. Uh correct that it was the first year of high definition hd and it was at the point where if the, a game was going to be in hd that they had to have an extra truck everything wasn't built in the technology that is today that can still roll with one truck 
So that particular game um, was on HD, and Wyoming's generator just it just was Couldn't overwhelmed. It. Yeah. And it took a long time, and kudos to that Wyoming crew to get everything going. But it was a it was a crazy break, that's for sure. But I I do remember I said if the fans are going to stay for this, I'm going to stay for this, and stood on the side of the student section with all the fans. I had never seen so much outside alcohol brought in though. <laughs> I mean, there was people holding twelve packs just in their arms, <laughs> drinking and just or putting it in snow snowbanks in yeah. the stands. I want to say we did the same thing against New Mexico. Joe Glenn's here in 2003. We just brought in a case of beer and I remember my buddy was griping and griping. I said, dude, did you see the guy we followed in has an oxygen tank? They didn't even take tickets that day. You just walked in. Yeah, after after the initial <laughs> thing, they were, it, yeah. gates were open so you can go out and come back in. Yeah. We brought in a case of beer and just put him right in the snowdrift right next to us. So, uh, Didn't you say Urban Meyer said something really crappy that night? I cannot remember what it was, but I, re- I do recall when the coaches, the ADs, and everybody were in the field house talking about what was going on, he he had some something to say about it. Yeah, yeah, and like I, I like we're some kind of hick. I can't remember exactly what yeah. it was. I'm sure somebody has a better recollection of it at all, but I've never liked that guy from the get-go anyway, especially <laughs> yeah. since he was an assistant at CSU. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to thank him for Steve Adazio. Still can't believe Wyoming lost yeah. a game to Steve Adazio, but – Got to thank him for... Uh, that might be why Urban Meyer will never be an AD because he said, CSU, you really need to hire yeah. this guy. That worked out well. Yeah, hire my buddy who's from the Northeast who knows nothing about the Rocky Mountain region. It'll, it'll be great. Um, back to uh, reality here, Jared. Uh, the Wyoming Cowboys are one banged-up football team with one regular season game left to go. Uh, we saw Saturday night Alex Brown left the field um, after that interception in the end zone on the Cowboys' first drive of the second half. He never returned. He is not on the depth chart this week. DeWine McNeely had a couple of bursts in this game, but he also suffered a knee injury, Craig said. And then we saw on the telecast he went out on a tractor with a, or went out on the cart with a, a neck brace on. He never came back. DQ James, the running back, did not play in this game. Apparently he has a leg injury. Don't know the significance of that. Uh, Cold Goodbow still out. Keontae Glinton still out at nickel. Jordan Bertinoli, you know that cat gave it everything he had to play in this game, and he did not He did not play uh, the other big defensive tackle from Casper. So you know he must really be hurting. And then, of course, maybe the biggest injury of them all, uh, Andrew Peasley does not play in this game under center for the Cowboys. And saw a lot of people, Jared, and I, 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 I don't want to say I blame them, um, but saw a lot of people say, good, I'm glad Jaden Clemens is playing in this game. How quickly we forget, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? In the last two outings, Andrew Peasley in Hawaii and in Fort Collins did not start out smooth. But they're not in this position without Andrew Peasley. And mainly it's the stuff you can't see. It's the intangibles. It's the leadership stuff. Talk to Craig or uh, Frank Crum about that once again, and he said his control in the huddle is second to none. And Frank Crum's been in a huddle with a lot of quarterbacks during his tenure in Laramie, and he said nobody controls it quite like Andrew Peasley. So another huge loss for the Cowboys as far as the injury bugs. He has a concussion. Those things you can't really put a timetable on. No idea if he'll play. He is at the top of the depth chart in Fresno. Don't know if he's going to play yet. And Bertinoli's Uh, back on the depth chart, which is a great sign. Bertinoli's on the depth chart, but you know... I hate the saying next man up, but it's true. I mean, it's true in so many ways. I just, I hate slogans that are made for t-shirts, you know. Uh, Buck Coors, back in the fold. He's been playing special teams the last two weeks. He's a nickelback. He's listed as uh, the backup there to Rook Brown. 
Uh, boy, have those two stepped up. I mean, Rook Brown, especially, man. He's played great. He's played really well. And I'm telling you guys, he is so small without shoulder pads on. It looks like John Hoyland would take him in an alley and just pummel him. I mean, he's that reminds you, though, back when a young John jo- Wendling. Or Jock Finn. A Jock Finn. Yeah. Uh, Chris Brzezinski before they, you know, they're... And even Andrew Wingard, yeah, his first couple of years, he was scrawny, little, little, yeah, and he bulked up, and he's an NFLer. Yeah. They all were. I mean, Rook is so small though that you, you see him in street clothes, like I did on Monday, and you're like, oh, that's got to be like some some part support staff. It has to be not the guy who's laying the wood. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely laid a couple guys out the other night. So uh, it'll be great to see Buckhorse see if he gets in on defense. He has been playing some special teams. The staff is extremely high on this kid. He's a walk on from Loveland. Apparently, he just lets it rip, man. And he's been in Craig Bowles' ear. I'm going to write a story about this today. He's been in Craig Bowles' ear. He broke his leg in the Cowboys' scrimmage in the fall and um, was a huge bummer for everybody because they thought, we don't know where this kid's going to play, but he's going to play. And uh, I guess he's been in Craig Bowles' ear for weeks saying, I'm ready. Doc says I'm ready. Doc says I can start doing this. Like, he's in Craig Bowles' ear saying, let me play. So, I mean, you got to love that kid already, not to mention his name's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Joey Brash, he is going to—he is listed as the number two running back. Uh, fans are familiar with him. He's had some some carries this year. I think a lot of fans are really excited, as am I, to see Jalen Sargent has made his first appearance on the depth chart at wide receiver. He is the uh, 6'2", 170-pound wideout from Logan, Utah. He has not played. Craig Bull mentioned when every year, inevitably, Jared, we ask, what true freshman will potentially see the field? And he brought up Jalen Sargent and DQ James two years ago. Neither one of them played at all last year. Um, but we're seeing what DQ can do, and now we're hopefully going to see a little bit of Jalen Sargent. So a few weeks ago at Hawaii, I think it might have been the first time the Pokes brought it out where you had uh, DQ or Brash and then uh, McNeely and Swen all in the backfield around the quarterback. I'm calling this week it's going to be Caleb Driscoll, Parker Christensen, and Swen doing that formation. That sounds good. And who knows who's going to get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to get hurt. I know that. Somebody on the other team yes. for once. Um, something that maybe a lot of fans didn't recognize this week. Without Jordan Bernoulli, without Cole Goodbow, Caleb Robinson, and Gavin Meyer have really held down the fort. But their backups had to play, too. I was just going to say, you bring up the other guys' names because <laughs> yeah. I don't know them. Yeah, Ben Florentine is a guy who was on the scout team early in the week, and they said, yo, Ben, you're in. Uh, so Ben, six foot one, 259-pound nose guard. That is undersized. Uh, Ethan Drews, a transfer from Northern Colorado, he was another guy. He played a lot of meaningful minutes. I believe when you watch the film and slow it down, he is the one who forced that George Helani fumble there at the end and late in the fourth quarter. So those are two guys who have really stepped up, not to mention Gavin Meyer and Caleb Robinson. You can't say enough about those cats. They have Because coming into this year, if we were sure about one thing in one position group, it was the defensive tackles. <laughs> we knew Cole Goodbow and we knew Jordan Bertinelli. We knew they were going to hold down the fort. Now we're down to the fourth and fifth guys. So huge kudos to Ben Florentine and Ethan Drews. And cross your finger that everybody is healthy going into the next season because they're going to be able to rotate those cats in oh. and out and just disrupt some yeah. offenses. And they're going to get bigger and stronger. Uh, I will I will go out on a limb here and say Ben Florentine will not be 259 pounds at the beginning of next season. I bet you his goal will be 280. Yeah, and I'll bet he'll hit it. Yep. He'll be there. So uh, we already talked about the seniors. Uh, just what a good problem to have. Uh, four guys come out for senior day. Uh, you know, Eric, Lewis and Erica Boje. 
is going to hurt. Miles Williams has been really good on special teams mainly. Uh, the He is a safety, uh, but they've let Wyatt Eckler's really taken a stranglehold of that job. He is a really good player. Uh, I think he's going to be the next guy in line when it comes to safety tradition at the University of Wyoming. Easton Gibbs, 99 tackles, one away, obviously, from 100. He has played lights out, especially against Boise State. He grew up a Broncos fan. His mom went there. He had a bunch of family members that went there. And I believe in three games against the Broncos, he has 37 tackles and a sack. So can't ask for much more out of that kid. Uh, but Fresno State on the docket tonight, 8 p.m. kickoff, Mountain Time. That game is on FS1. What do we know about the Fresno State Bulldogs? Uh, two words. <laughs> Jay Kaner, really, really good quarterback. 2,249 yards passing. He only completes nearly 75% of his throws. Uh, he has 16 touchdown passes, 13, or three, excuse me, three interceptions. It doesn't get much better than this kid. It doesn't, and um, I watched him early on in the season. They they thought he might have been a dark horse Heisman guy, definitely a Davey O'Brien guy. Um, then he gets his ankle, ankle rolled up on at the USC game, and they got blown out there, and he had to sit out five, six weeks. Yeah. And they didn't know if he would return because they, they said it was a – it was one of those high ankle sprains, and those are worse than breaks. <laughs> yeah, and Solomon Bird, former Wyoming yeah. defensive end, is the one who caused that. And uh, at that time, we were like, thanks, Solomon. <laughs> yeah. End of the season, this is a huge, potentially a huge game. And no doubt. It is still a big game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but he's come back and uh, you know played well, and uh, you know their receiving core has always been good ever since they've been in the league. Uh, it's it's some What's questionable about them sometimes is, is their defense, yeah, that that keeps them from winning, you know, consistently nine to ten, eleven games a year. Right. I mean, it's not very often too. You see the numbers Hainer's putting up, but Jordan Mims also a really good running back. Like Titus Wynn, he is now over a thousand yards. He's scored eleven touchdowns. Jalen Cropper is Hainer's number one target. He will crack a thousand yards against Wyoming. You would have to imagine he has seventy two receptions, five touchdowns. They also have another uh, wide receiver. Nico Ramigio, I think, Ramigio, something like that, 661 yards and four touchdowns. So they're a juggernaut on offense. They score 30 points a game just like Boise State does, uh, did. Wyoming's defense just did a bang-up job Saturday night. Can't say enough about those guys. So um, Fresno's good. (laughs) They're really good. The big question, though, Jared, is they already have their ticket punched for the Mountain West title game. After the game they won in Reno handily on Saturday, they put video cameras or phones or whatever in front of these players, and they all talked about how they can't wait to get to Boise and they can't wait to play the Broncos. Well, turns out, you know, they have a game remaining against the Wyoming Cowboys. And something I love, you mentioned about Andy Avalos and how he is the calmest guy on planet Earth. He told his reporters for Boise State immediately, I am not talking about Fresno State. I am not talking about the Mountain West Championship game. We still have Utah State on the docket next week in El- inside Albertson Stadium. And Utah State team that is playing better. Much all better. Of a sudden. Um, Bowl eligible. I did see before, so it was last week, Fresno State announced already that there was 31,000 tickets sold. And then after the game, they put up $10 end zone tickets, $15 other area tickets, and like $25 other area tickets. So expect a big crowd this evening in Fresno. Yeah. And, and they're loud there too. They yeah. are a very loud crowd and they they love their tailgating there too well and it's like laramie there's nothing else i mean yep. california is so huge there's nothing else anywhere near in the valley it's it's the fresno state bulldogs and they've had a lot of success a lot of great players obviously the cars going through there Devonte adams 
really good players. So uh, the question is, are they going to? Are the starters going to play? I think they're going to play, but how much are they going to play? They they don't want to be losing cats when uh, they have a big one with Boise next week. Yeah, I, the first and second quarters are going to dictate that. Of yeah. course, if it's a close game, well, they they still got to they got to stay in there. But if Fresno can start making some hitting some big plays, things like that, yeah, you might see them uh, put in some other guys. But I. Like Frank Krem said, this is a huge game. This is the most important game for Wyoming all season. Yeah. And and it's been the next game up, all that kind of stuff, every single week. Yep. It's been that way for Wyoming. I honestly think Wyoming comes out and plays one hell of a game tonight and keeps this game into the fourth quarter. Yeah. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win, but that's what we're all looking forward to, right? Is to see if the bounce back is there. Because look at you—you you mentioned it right when we came on the air. You're still deflated from last week. I'm still deflated from last week. A lot of fans are. And are I, the players? I honestly think the only thing that keeps Wyoming from having a tight game is the injury factor that it is finally maybe caught up to them. It is. Uh, they're they are the walking wounded mash unit to say the least. But uh, we'll see what fight these Wyoming Cowboys have in them tonight against the Fresno State Bulldogs. Kickoff 8 p.m. Game can be seen on FS1. This has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie and Cheyenne. This show is also sponsored by Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, Wyoming Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, and Warren's Repair and Towing. Thank you for joining us for Jared Newland. I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next right here on KOWB. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.